Saints, welcome to the house of the Lord this Sunday morning. Can we just turn the screen to Blessed Assurance, Brother Joe, if we could, please. I want to greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I know we have some visitors with us. I got a note that are, I apologize if I don't say your names correctly, but Brother Pravina, Sister Erlene from Singapore, originally from South Africa. Where are you? We can greet you. God bless you. You've come a long way. It's nice to have you with us this morning. You can tell me how to say your name after service. God bless you. Amen. Anyone else joining with us by way of the streaming? We just want to extend a greeting to you as well. Amen. Aren't you thankful to be a Christian this morning? Amen. We're so grateful to serve a God who's alive and mindful of us. Let's sing this old song together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Just that one line right there could cause a revival. If you really dwell on that, Jesus is mine this morning. Amen. Let's sing that together. Blessed assurance, Jesus is Washed in His blood. 
I know the blood is applied. Are you walking in newness of life? Praise our God. Amen. Why don't the brothers just come and receive the morning offering at this time? Brother Darren Hoffman, could I ask you to come open the service for us, if you'd be willing, please? We do have a number of prayer requests we want to remember. Uh, We had a notice that our sister Erica Reagan is back in the hospital with many serious complications. Just asking prayer for her. That's our brother Donnie's daughter, for those of you who don't know. Also, our sister Bev Sharman has an operation coming up. Just desiring to be remembered before the saints. The Lord will be with her. And our sister Rena Witt also has a very serious operation this week, I believe on Tuesday. So let's just remember and these precious saints in our midst that God would be with them. And just do the miraculous for them. And also a testimony I'd like to share with you just before we have prayer from our sister Violet. She says, I want to praise God. Her grandson Ezekiel has been cancer-free for a year on Thursday. He hasn't had any troubles and never had any delays. Nathaniel, his father, and Melissa's mother, know that God did it. And all I can say is that I have a wonderful Lord. Praise our God. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Sister Violet. Amen. So do you have a need on your heart? Amen. We serve a living God. Brother Darren, why don't you come, please? Father, it's with great honor, dear Lord Jesus, and a great privilege to come before the throne of grace this morning, Lord Jesus, because we are a needy people. Physically, spiritually, Lord, we, as, as the, I believe the prophet said, Lord, we're living in an age where we're not, Lord, we're not meant to be here, Lord. We're not seemingly fit to be in this world. This world is not our home, Heavenly Father. Lord, we don't want to get bogged down with the cares of life. We don't want to be, as the scripture says, a good soldier shouldn't be entangled with the affairs of this life. Lord, we're in this world, but we're not of it. We're seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. Lord, that new Jerusalem, Father, we are that new Jerusalem is going to come down on this earth, dear God, in our right ought to be condition, Lord, for eternity, to never leave thee, Lord God. Do ever be in our perfect condition, Lord. And Father, we're so thankful for the bringing Brother David McGeary by our way, Lord, with your word. How it's touched our hearts, Lord Jesus, in this morning, Lord. We want to, for our hearts to be touched even more. We want to be transformed, Father. We want to be transformed, Lord, by the renewing of our minds as we hear the word as it's ministered over this pulpit. The greatest need we could ever or the greatest thing we could ever ask for, Father, is revelation. How revelation, Lord Jesus, it unlocks the heart. Revelation, Lord Jesus, brings forth healing in bodies, Lord. And we have these requests, Lord. Our sister Erica, Lord, our sister Bev, our sister Rena Witt, dear God, they have serious needs, Lord. And Father, we're asking that you administer unto them, Lord, because your word says by your stripes they're already healed, Father. That you're the Lord God that heals all of our diseases, Heavenly Father. You've given us witness in your word, Lord. You said from two or three witnesses, let every word be established, Lord. You've given us witness in your word that you are the healer. You're the great physician that's in attendance, dear God, to be with these ones, Lord. These ones that have reached out, dear God, in faith, asking for a prayer, that you would be with them, dear God that you would touch their bodies, that you bring about a complete healing, Lord Jesus, a complete restoration, Lord Jesus. 
We're not expecting, dear God, a band-aid job, but we're expecting complete restoration, Lord. For this is the hour of restoration, Father. And how the natural just types the spiritual. We're looking for that restoration, dear God, in bodies and souls, Lord God. The prodigals would come home. They'd be restored, dear God, to newness of life as we sung. Lord Jesus, we're looking for that day. We're expecting it. We're not looking just today, Lord. We're looking what your promises have claimed, have said for us, Lord, that we claim them in the name of Jesus Christ. We will not be denied, Father. You've given us your word. We're standing upon it, Father. There's no demon of hell, dear God, that can take away, Lord Jesus, what you've already given to us. For we have our representation in you, Lord. And Father, we want to hear from you today. We just ask, dear God, that you'll bless the people as they give. We pray, dear God, you'll be with us in our day today. Lord, the world calls it Thanksgiving. Lord, but every day is Thanksgiving to you, Lord. We're so thankful for your grace in our lives. We're thankful for the salvation that you've given us and our loved ones. Lord Jesus, we're looking so forward to what you have for us, Lord, in the future and in eternity. So bless the remainder of the service, we ask, Father. Lord Jesus, would you just take Brother Ryan and continue to use him, Lord, to create that atmosphere, Lord, that we can just enter into, that the work could just drop into our hearts, and Brother Dave would just feel real at home in, the, in your presence, Lord. So help us to pull upon the gift, Lord, and receive all the things that we've asked for, all the things that we need. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats as we take up the offering. And Brother Samuel Mateo is going to come sing for us. Why don't you come get ready at this time? And let's just sing that song, So Glad I'm Yours, Lord, So Glad I'm Yours, E-flat. So glad I'm yours, Lord, so glad I'm yours, I'm so glad your mercy has followed me, so glad. Praise the Lord and enter into a spirit of praise and worship. This is a quite a simple song. I would ask if uh, you know the chorus to the song, please join in with me as we praise the Lord. Amen. Trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more. And the morning breaks eternal, bright and fair. When 
the saved on earth shall gather on the old yard the shore and the Lord when the roll is called up yonder 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 I'll be there Praise the Lord. I invite Brother Anthony, Brother Caleb are going to come sing for us as well. So we just have a song before we turn the service to our Brother Tom to introduce Brother David. There are a couple announcements we wanted to make, brothers, if you'd like to just come at this time. There will be no prayer meeting tomorrow night because of the holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday. And also we're going to have a young people's meeting. Originally we thought this Friday, but it's been pushed back to October 20th. So if you heard this Friday, that's been moved back to October the 20th. It'll be over at the school at 7 p.m., not 7.30, 7 p.m. on October the 20th. Amen. So we'll look forward to that. All right, God bless you.
generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the land and all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all, all thrones and dominions, all powers and positions, your name stands above them all, and the angels cry.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, he is the worthy one, isn't he? Maybe you can just start playing worship. God will not reject your prayer, Sister Violet. That's tremendous testimony. Tremendous testimony. It was your birthday, too. In the last little while, last couple days. And Sister Violet was one that, when we were at the house, I showed up as a long-haired hippie. Well, wanted to be hippie, I guess. And Sister Violet had been just been saved, and I'd looked over, and tears were going down her cheeks. Her arms were raised. And for me that was unsaved, it had an impact in my life. I said, God is real. God is living in his people. And it hasn't changed, has it, Sister Violet? sure hasn't. Even if a son will deny him, you're believing for him. And a grandson in need, she said, she stood her ground. And she said, that grandson of mine will be delivered of cancer, irregardless of your unbelief. We are believing for deliverance. And I want to say to you this morning, God answers prayer. Amen. Amen. Great anniversary present. Birthday present, Sister Violet. Why not greet everyone this morning, Brother and Sister Lou. God bless you. Why don't you stand? We want to greet you, Brother Jariah's mom and dad. God bless you. Nice to have you here. Brother Frank, you thought you'd hide yourself in the back back there. Brother Frank Fairclough, why don't you stand? Naomi's dad. God bless you. Nice to have you here. And Lori Snow and Amanda Snow hiding up on there. God bless you. Nice to have you back home. Amen. It's a wonderful morning to give thanksgiving to our Lord Jesus, isn't it, Brother Jerry? To think that we can be covered under the blood. Israel this morning, they call it an iron dome that tries to protect the land of Israel. But we've got a blood dome that's protecting the bride of Jesus Christ. And we have to remember, saints of God, as Brother David preached on Friday night, we need that ability to see afar off. Because Israel never saw the enemy coming in and attacked them. Now they're rising up. They have a five, four or five political parties in their nation have now become one nation because they got one common enemy. And we have a common enemy called Satan himself. And we need to unite our hearts together and believe for the destruction of Satan's kingdom amongst his church. I believe that Brother David was inspired on, on Friday night to preach a message Part of his message was battle for rapture. And Israel is battling for their life existence. And we are battling Satan's kingdom for the life of Jesus Christ within the bride of Christ. And they call it great operation this morning that they're ready to fight back the enemy that came in as cowards killing children, women, in beds concerts just mowed them over that's the demon that was uh, that has been loosed and is loosed on natural israel we need to arise and see the demon powers that are trying to deter us from achieving our goal called the rapture message and you think that this is a light battle this is a heavy battle they're going into heavy battle and there's a lot of casualties 
So we need to pray for the peace of Israel and pray for one another that God will inspire us to lift us higher in the presence of Jesus Christ. They call it Operation Iron Swords this morning. They're going to go after their enemy. Operation Iron Swords. But we've been given the King Sword. And we got Operation King Sword this morning, which is the Word of God that will come through His servant. And my prayer is God, anoint the man of God to minister spiritual food in due season to the elected lady of Jesus Christ here this morning. God bless you all for coming. I want you to pull. Pull on the word, pull on the gift, pull on Pastor David McGeary, pastor of Christian Life Tabernacle, Bedford, Texas, is here to bless us this morning. We so appreciate him and his dear wife. Sister Leslie, where are you hiding this morning? Far right. There you are. God bless you, Sister Leslie. Amen. Well, we're going to have a wonderful time in God's presence. Let's just stand. And as we welcome Brother David, Pastor McGeary, to the pulpit, let's just sing this chorus or song, Worship.
come this morning to worship you. Lord, there's no greater worship from the believer but to obey your word. Lord, and we've come this morning that from the great storehouse of the word of God that you left us that you would bring us food, Father, for this morning that we're here. For those that have come this morning to sit at your table, they certainly haven't come to hear man's thinking or man's ideas. Father, their hearts are hungering for your touch this morning. Lord, and with all our heart, we ask that you'd look past all the failures that we possess, all our shortcomings, Father, that you would lay that great blood shield over us this morning. And with your kindness and your mercy, you would speak to our hearts and direct us, Father, give us hope. We ask that you bless your word to us this morning, that you would 
stand between the voice of the speaker and the ear of the hearer. Father, and you would add your touch. And Father, it will make the difference today. Please be with us now. We ask it in humility. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you have your Bibles this morning, and you would open with me to the book of Joel. We'd like to read the first chapter in the first chapter of the book of Joel. Um, uh, 1 through 4 and then uh, 25 uh, to 27. Very familiar uh, services for us. They, they gave me big waters this time. So I, I, I'm, I hope we're not into too long of a morning. That they put two of them here, so... We, we, we just trust that um, if I have to finish all those, I hope you're thirsty for the Word of God. Let us read these scriptures, very familiar. Um, you, you know them uh, uh, very well. It says, The word of the Lord came to Joel, son of Petuel. Hear this, ye old men, and give ear. All ye inhabitants of the land, hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten and that which the locust hath left Hath the cankerworm eaten? And that which the cankerworm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten? Now in the 25th, um, let's see if it has it, uh, the verse here. Uh, it says, um, I don't know, I'll just read it uh, to you, and, and I, I've lost the place, but we know that the Lord said it, that he... Uh, would restore. So our Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless your word to us in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In the second chapter in the 25th verse it reads and that's in the second chapter the 25th verse says and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten the cankerworm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I will send among you, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God. He hath dealt wonderfully with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. Amen. Amen. What a... Uh, a wonderful uh, promise this morning. You know, it's certainly uh, wonderful to be here with you and uh, your Thanksgiving weekend and um, uh, time that you celebrate uh, all the great blessings that God's placed upon our lives. But we have most people certainly are blessed. Amen. You know, just to review just a little bit, 
uh, Saturday night, uh, Friday night, I believe that we spoke a little bit, and and many of you uh, know my testimony, and and uh, uh, you know from the place that God found me, and you know the messenger made this statement, and it's a it, it always has stuck with me very deeply. It says, when you come in this world, you were born in sin. You didn't even have a fighting chance. You were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, came to the world speaking lies. What a condition, huh? Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, coming to the world speaking lies. Within you, your own spirit, the desire of sin. Within you, your own spirit had the desire to sin. Wow. It sure takes all our holiness away, don't it? Amen. Most people's desire is to cover up their desire. But, you know, but when it, your own spirit, the desire of sin, a lover of sin... Because you were born in sin. You didn't have a chance. And you know this is what we were so wanting to stress Friday night. That that was the condition we were in. And we didn't even have a fighting chance. But God put in us a seed. He put something in us. He put the seed that God put in me was a predestinated and it, to an end. So that seed that he put in us was predestinated to end. It was that eternal part of God that led me out of the darkness that I was in. So I couldn't lead myself out of there. And you couldn't lead yourself out of the darkness that you were in. But God put a seed in you. He put something in you. And it was that seed that led you out of the darkness that you were in. It was nothing that we ever did ourselves. There was a deep in there that was placed in there. And there came a time in your life that... Uh, whatever path you were on, the destruction that you were headed to, that that seed in you could no longer go that way. It was what rose up. It was what just came and began to stir the conviction in your heart. And, and, and you know, I mean, I'm invited to join a motorcycle gang and, and to, uh, you know, be a part of everything that they were a part of, and and that was sort of what I wanted in life. My desire was to that, and and that's what I was hanging around with, you know. And, and but yet, all of a sudden, something welled up within the inside of me, you know. And, and, and so it was never me that directed my bar. It was never me that made the decision to serve God. It was the seed that was in me. It was something God that put in there. And, it, it, and that's what kept drawing. Amen. That seed in me kept drawing to the word. It kept pulling me to the word. 
it kept, it kept, you know, it just kept bringing me out and bringing me and pulling me. And, and we saw what depths that that seed would go through to get you to where you would be. I mean, Satan threw everything in the world he could, but that seed was greater. He who was in me was greater than he who was in the world. And so it was the world that kept uh, uh, trying to smother and, and, and draw us down, but yet down on the great depths of the inside of it, uh, there was a law of that seed. And, and that's a, a beautiful thing. You know, that seed had, a, had an end. It had a, it had a cause. It had a purpose for what that it was planted for. And even when um, Paul was going about what he was doing, that's the first thing that the angel said to him. He said, Paul, it's hard to kick against that which is inside you. It's hard to kick against the seed that's going to fight, you know, and take you and show you what you must suffer for my namesake. You know, so can, can you just imagine? I think that that is the uh, a one thing that a believer has to really come to grips with before the word of God can ever really have its full benefit is you must come to the uh, realization of your predestination. In other words, I didn't choose this. And that's what Jesus said. He looked at us and said, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. And not only that, I chose you before the foundation of the beginning of the world. So it really doesn't matter to, to him what form of earth that he placed that seed in. We know that he governed at that and put our grandparents and our great-grandparents together and did all that to bring us here. It didn't matter what kind of darkness we were in. It didn't matter what part of where we were at or whatever. Uh, he was in control. And that's what his great desire was, is to bring that out. But so we find out that it had to work according to a law. And I think this is a great statement. And, he, and it says this. It says, and as we just have a little study this morning, it says, now remember that anything can work as long as you work it of that. He says, now remember that only anything can work as you work the law of that thing. So you can only work something according to the law. So even the seed within you has a law. You'll understand. And, and the, the quicker that man can understand who's in control and, and why things work the way they work and why things don't work. You know, I think that's uh, many times what they give is the definition of insanity is to continue to try something over and over again thinking that you'll get a different result. If the law of that thing is failure, it'll fail every time. Like we know the law of water, right? Water is a leveler. It'll always level out at the, at the equal 
space. It'll always lay flat. It'll, it'll always do that, you know. It'll, it'll always be level and level and level. They built water levels. Many of us know those. It's just a great truth. It's a law. It's how water works. You're not going to change it. You know, you can dam it up. You can slow it down. You can back it up. But from whatever place it stops, it'll continually go level. It's a law. It's the law of the thing itself. And so he says, he said, he says, the cosmic forces can only move by the law of according to cosmic law. He says, the planets can only move as, as they move by the law of the planets. The sun can only rise according to as the earth turns to the sun. And that, and that there is everything has to work according to the law of its plan. For God made all things and made a law for that thing. And then it's got to turn and work and operate according to the law of that item, it will not work correctly any other way. So we, we understand that, that if it, there's a law there and God placed that law, knowing what he wanted that law to accomplish. So he put a law within each of you. There's a law of the word of God that governs you. That eternal part of you, that eternal life that's inside of you, uh, no matter how hard you fight it, that law is going to work. Amen. Amen. He said that nothing could pluck us out of the palm of his hand. He said if he started the work in us, he'd finish it to the end. He'll go to any lengths that he has to. But there's one thing that God cannot do. He cannot fail. And I'd surely want to put my trust in his ability to do what he said he would do far above putting my trust in my ability to mess it up. And, and uh, I hope that that sinks uh, uh, just a, a little bit in there. So it can only work according to the law by uh, which it it, it was given to work more. And, uh, you, you know, and I, I think if we look at that and take that same thought to the church, the church is, is governed by a law. God had a law for the church. He knew what he wanted the church to live by. He knew what he wanted the church to work by. He knew what he wanted your life to work by. For you to take your life, all, all of us are different. We have different places in life, different callings, different jobs, different financial structures. And none of that means anything to God because God's not a respecter of persons. In fact, God really came to the poor of this world rich in faith. It was just the enemy who ever got us in the first place to think prosperity uh, was anything that was a blessing from God. I, I, you know, if you knew it was harder to get through the eye of the needle, you know, or harder for a rich man to get to heaven, uh, then I wonder how much we would adjust 
uh, our life and our thinking. You know, and, and the prophet of God uh, knew it. And the Lord Jesus, even when he spoke to uh, uh, the rich young ruler, you know, he knew that it was going to be harder for him with that wealth to get the kingdom of heaven. So he told him, sell all that you have. Get, get rid of everything. And can take up your cross, take up the sufferings and the reproach that goes with serving me and come follow me. Because he knew if he didn't intersect and interrupt in that man's life that he was going to be end up in the fires of hell calling out for just a touch of, of a finger of water. And, and so, you know, we've got to be so sensitive to that voice in our lives that God may at any time interrupt the path that we're on. It's not because he's punishing us. It's not because he's deciding us. Because he knows the beginning from the end. And it's your end that he's most uh, interested in. And that you heard the news. I'm sure all you have. Israel's at war. And we said, Can't, can we, we, these, how many more signs do we need to know that the rapture is at hand. And God is interested in us preparing for that rapture. It's the next thing on the agenda of the church. There's nothing left for us but to leave. And everything that's about us today is preparing to leave. I'm getting ready to leave. And I say this over, I'll say it again this morning. The message that we received is not a staying message. It's not a message to teach us how to cope with the trials of life and how to overcome all the difficulties of things and how to make our lives psychologically better and socially better and live better. And, and it never was meant to create a bed of ease. It was meant to take us out of here. This is a leaving message. And one of these days, we're going to leave. Don't, don't forget that. I mean, it's, it, to the reality of that, I, I just pray God that my heart cries out for it every day. Lord, make it more real to me. Give me such a revelation of it. Make it so real for me. Let, let me be able to ask myself every day, every morning, what I'm doing now? What is the end of it? Let me see afar off from where I am now. What, what, what's the product? Of my thinking. You know, that's why you should never let a bitter thought come into your mind because we know bitterness is just defiles many. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, to be able to forgive, don't hold grudges, you know, no matter how wrong you've been done. You know, you know just, just, you know, just forgive. Just, just place it back. Give, give a person a second chance. Do, uh, do whatever you can do. You know, don't draw the line in the sand and say, you've crossed this line. You know, it's over. I'm right. You're wrong. You know, you may be true. But the truth of the matter, you may be prolonging your leaving. You're really just... Holding it back, you know what I mean? It, it, it's something, wouldn't it, just to have the same love in our heart, the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit? 
Isn't that what we long for? We long for a capstone. <laughs> That's what we've been building, this statue of a perfect man. And if we, we don't add these things, we can't see afar off. And, and it's by this great love of God. Wouldn't it be wonderful that the same love that God looked at Judas, and he, the scripture said when God looked at Judas, he loved them. He knew he would betray him. He knew the world had rejected him. Yet he died for the sins of the world. There's not one person in this earth, I don't care what their doctrine is, what their lifestyle is, what their country is, what their language is, the blood of Jesus Christ has been shed for everybody. It's been shed for the world. Amen. So never pre-qualify somebody. You know, the, the, uh, uh, the, the Brother Tom, they, they drove me. I wanted to see, uh, you know, what we would consider Skid Row. And, you know, when I drove down Skid Row and I, I, I looked out and I, 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 I didn't see a bunch of ugly people. I saw the place from which I came. And that's what he said. Someone that doesn't have these virtues in their life, they can't see it far off. They forgot from where they came from. And and that's the reality. If it wasn't for the grace and the love of God, that's where I would be. And a lot of times people do us wrong. It's bitterly, bitterly offensive. And the worst part is they should know better. But they have an impact. An enemy, they have an adversary. And that's what's been happening. They've been overtaken by the devil. And that's all it is. And that person's never your enemy. No matter what evil that they have done to you, they are not your enemy. And just think, God's not going to lay anything to your charge because that seed that he placed there remains in you. There's nothing laid to the charge of God's elect. And, and the very law of God is the way you forgive is the way you'll be forgiven. And if you've been forgiven much, you love much. There's just, there's no way to turn from that. There's hardly a man that I can look at, no matter how pathetic that he was, is, or how vile he is, that I don't know in my heart that that's me. That was my end. If there wasn't divine intervention, if there wasn't a seed in me that kept saying, you're not going that way, I'll do whatever I can, I'll stop your mind, I'll stop your body, I'll shut you down, I'll do whatever, but that seed in me said, I'm not going there. Can the seed in us ought to say, I'm not going to possess bitterness. I'm not going to possess judgment. My goal is to have the same love in my heart shed abroad by the Holy Spirit that the Lord Jesus had for me. And then I can enter into that union we talk about. That's the reality of that union. It's not a doctrinal union. It's not an intellectual union. It's when your spirit and his spirit have married and you become one. You know what it means when you do something, a namesake? 
When you do this as a namesake, a namesake is to protect the reputation of one. You know, we're here to protect the reputation of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus did for me, and we're cactuses, and we're prickly, and we're thorny, and, and there's no forgiveness in us, there's no kindness in us. We'll only go the extra mile for them that go the extra mile for us. We're so suspicious to give people our coat. What does it matter if you give your cloak to somebody and they rip you off? My father owns the coat, son of Thousand Hills. Every department store is there for me. Every restaurant is there for me. Everything's there for me. And I have a God that can give it to me. So we understand that these things have to work according to the law. So when things aren't working for the law of God, when the church is not working the way it should work, then we can obviously sit back and say there's something wrong. There's something that's not right. In other words, it's not working according to the law of God. It's not that it's not sincere. It's not that it's not dedicated. It's just that we understand that if we're falling short, if if there's things that aren't working right, and I just don't mean this church as as a Bible way, I believe, or as the Canada or Canada or but the whole church, every place that we are, when, things, when it's not in that unity, it's not in that love, it's not in that working, that when you sit back and things aren't working right, then, then you sit back and you say, what's wrong? Okay, what is it? And you, sometimes it's something so simple. Just so simple that it, how many have just had something one day like where the light comes on and you all of a sudden you knew what it was, you knew what you did, you, you, knew, you knew what you said and, and then you just go fix that one little thing and everything just starts coming together and then there's sometimes in our lives where everything seems to be going wrong. The prophet of God said, you're still certain of God. You know God hasn't changed. You know he's still a healer. You know he's still a deliverer. You know he does exceedingly and abundantly above what you can ask or think. But all of a sudden, it's just not working right. It doesn't feel right. It's not coming together right. You know what you do? You stop. And you turn every stone. And after you've turned every stone, and you've made everything right, you, you've taken care of everybody that you've offended. You, you've combed your life and repent it for every attitude and then when you've got everything fixed then you go back and you lay your petition at his feet it comes to pass every time you're certain of it when something's not right you sit back and you ask yourself what's wrong and 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 i i I think that's that's uh the way we look at it if I could say it this way, it just it seems like the church isn't progressing or moving 
as quick as it should be moving in the hour that we're in. Now, we, we talked a little bit about it the other night, but we should at least be moving in the right direction as the world is moving in the wrong direction. We should at least be moving up as fast as they're moving down. Now, you've seen how much things have changed. I mean, I'm sure our countries are are fairly well joined together in, in, in many aspects of thinking and education and development and all those things. But what's happening in America, what's happening in Canada, is happening around the world. This has never been an age where they're trying to take God out of the picture like they are now. In the last two years, since this COVID thing that interrupted the church. And that's all it was. COVID was not against the world. COVID was against the church. Because it changed things. It changed our thinking. It, it, it changed things. And everything's been gone crazy. They call it woke. Uh, you know, whatever woke is or whatever it is. This whole, we know we could talk about gender. We could talk about all those things. But I want you to understand the rapidness of the change. How quick it's turning. Now, I know we think that it's all good and we're meeting all the rules now and you're doing your best with your school and, and all those things. Uh, but you never know when they're going to come knocking on your door. You never know when they're going to put a spy in your midst. Because the word of God says they come out to spy out your liberties. We're, we're told that the possibility of them turning our churches into storehouses is very real. So we need to at least move in the direction and move towards God at least as fast as they're moving to their God, the God of this evil age. The one that's going to set himself on the throne and exalt himself above the messengers, above the angels. It's going to receive worship from the world and they're going to be worshiping Satan and not even knowing it. So I think it behooves us, doesn't it? To sit back and at least ask ourselves this question. Are we moving up spiritually and in the power of the resurrection as fast as they're going to hell? I would love to move that fast. I'm fighting for a rapture. We're contending for something. And so we, we recognize that, that if, if, we're, if we're not moving, if we're not progressing, then, then we, we want to find out uh, uh, what's wrong. And that, that's, I think that's just the only thing. It's got to work according to the laws of God. So maybe the laws of God aren't in place the way they should be or we have forgot what the fundamental law of God is because I think what we all want to do is to please God so we know that 
the church is in the condition, as Joel said here, he said, because the palmer worm and the locusts and the uh, canker worm and the caterpillar, all those things begin to eat bad. Well, in our day, uh, we kind of call those things something different than the palmer worm, the canker worm. We call them the white horse, the red horse, the black horse, and the pale horse. They went out warring against the church. We, we, we're not here to preach the seals, but we understand what the seals were telling us. They begin to sow lies. They begin to take lives. They put the church in spiritual darkness. And then that last horse comes and sows confusion. He's the most religious of them all. But yet he's all the same thing. Just like the caterpillar, the locust, the cankus, the, all those things. They're all the same bug. They're all, they're all doing the same thing. They're all causing the, the, the same uh, trouble and the same darkness. And, and I, I like what he, said. he says here. He says, now listen close. Whatever happened in the first place with the insects of the palmer worm just became the caterpillar later. And the caterpillar became the locust later. And whatever it was that started it in the beginning is still the same thing that's causing the trouble today. So it's the same spirits that worked in all those ages that we can look back. That's the same spirit that is causing the trouble today. It's the same spirit that's holding us back from progressing. It's the same spirit that sowed the confusion in the church, that sows the bitterness in our heart, that, that wants us to take sides. And I sit back and I, I look at our messenger, and every single one of these messages that he's giving it, it is always the judgment throne. It's always dividing you know, it's trying, to, it's trying to point us out to us. He says, look at this. He says, take sides with Jesus. Yeah. You know what I mean? These spirits are working. They're drawing. They're pulling. They're pulling. And he says, now let that part that's in you filter everything out until there's nothing left but the word of God, the Holy Ghost. So it caused the trouble in the first church age. It caused the trouble in every age. We, we've seen how it's come up. We've seen all things, but that same thing works today. And we, we, we think we passed it. But the reason Satan still uses the same thing because it's still working. And the, we never want to get to the place where we think, I can't go no further. You know, if I if there's something further for me, and I hope it's up. I want to be able to have within me something that can look past the present pull. And with the fullness of my heart, 
step from this dimension into that dimension. And have that dimension be so real to me. To have such a calling in my heart. That when it arrives, I'm not going through the file of my life trying to get it right in two seconds to be able to make the transformation. Like our messenger told us, I want my ticket in my hand and I want to be standing at the station waiting for it to pull up. And when that train pulls up, you read that sign and you say, where's this going? If it's not going to where you want to go, don't get on it. There ain't no joy rides. We want to know. And end the question. And we don't want to be too proud. Why hold a position in the church or some prestige in the church or something? What is the value if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? So we, we know that, that the church, that these bugs and these horse riders that they've eaten something away from the church. They're the cause of what's wrong. Now, do I just feel there's more, more power of the resurrection can be let loose in my life. I believe it. I know it's true. But I, I want that, that faith that's in my heart to become a working faith. Not my religion, not my doctrines, not those things. I want it to be something that I possess. Something that works. Something that moves. Something that accomplishes something. Because that's what's supposed to be restored to us in this day is the faith of our fathers. That's really what we're moving to. Our messenger told us, he says, don't set up camp. And don't think I've arrived at the best church with the best ministry, the best preachers, the best organized, the best singers. Uh, there's, no, there's probably not a church in the world that maybe works and functions in, in the order that this church works. But you can't set up camp there. It's here to help you. But you've got to embark on the journey that that seed within you is calling you to. And you must individually possess the power of the resurrection to battle the enemy that you're going to come in conflict with. The great amount of comfort in numbers. But if you look at every patriarch 
in the great patriarchs of the scripture, they meant their enemy on their own ground with their own faith and their own revelation. David and Goliath, Samson, you name them, we can go through them, Daniel, all of them. They knew they possessed it. So we recognize that if there's, there's something wrong, then at the end, and we, we, we understand that if we're ever going to build this church back to what it was. Now listen to this great statement. Now we know that we can only build a church first upon the material that God gave us to build that church with. That he gave it to build it with. So he gave material to build the church with. And the church will never be built back unless it uses the material that God gave it to build it with. Isn't this true today? We got synthetic everything. There's a substitute for everything. I do a little electrical work. You know, I, I, I was, my father was an electrician and I grew up doing electrical and I, I'm a builder and, and, uh, you know, so, and, you know, so I love talking to Brother Tom's sons because, uh, you know, one's an electrician. I talked electrical with him and we talk about bleed pots and latches and voltage and all the guys we know that almost fried themselves to death, you know, and, and we have great fellowship. We laugh and, and then, you know, I can fellowship with Mike because he's a preacher. That's the lowest of all the callings, Mike. But, and, uh, you know, definitely the least profitable. But you know that. So, and, and, you know, me and Mike talk. We can talk about the word and preaching and, you know, the people that come and ask us crazy things. And we sit in amazement, you know, and how many things we don't have the answer. We have a lot of fellowship in that. You know, then one's a builder. And we can talk about building and, you know, what do we do with the rubble and all those things and just have a great big uh, a time. We, we've got something in, in, in common there. Well, we need to have something in common with what the church was built with. Because we have to be able to meet the challenge of the hour. We can't sit back and not look afar off and fail to realize that we have got to meet the enemy on his ground. We know the battle's in our mind. We know he's sowing confusion. We know he's building his kingdom. We know he's rising to a place of worship. He, he, we know he's after us. And, and, and if we think that we're just going to skate or dodge through, they can find you. In fact, they probably know where you are right now. They track you everywhere. They stand you six feet apart so they can get a real good identity picture of you. They know what you buy. They know what you don't buy. All you are is a data point. 
You might think it's private. You know that machine you put in your house and you say, hey, it's listening. Oh, no, it's not. It only activates when you say, hey, it's name. No. It only activates so that you don't know that it's listening to you. They convicted a man of murder because of what Google recorded in his house. And he didn't say, hey, Google, I'm going to kill my wife. And Google responds, in this situation, use a rifle. (laughs) If you're not aware, you know what it's commonly known, even in the world, says is great, Satan's greatest deception was to convince the world he didn't exist. Your greatest deception is when you think you're okay, you think everything's fine, everything's going good, I don't need to move on, I don't need to move higher, I don't have to have more power. In other words, I've got what I need to make it. I've started down many a road thinking I had enough gas. And then all of a sudden saw that sign, next gas station, 90 miles. And I looked down at that eighth of a tank or below and I say, oh Lord. I made no provisions. I laid nothing in storage. I thought I was fine. The prophet of God called it spiritual amnesia. That were we lullaby. And when everything thinks peace and safety, they think everything finds, then suddenly destruction strikes. So I'm here this morning as your brother saying, I need you to make the rapture. I'm here this morning for my own selfish purpose. I cannot make it alone. I cannot make it without you. I need you to be a soldier prepared. I need you to be a soldier empowered. I need you to be a soldier that knows the plan of God, the word of God, and is dedicated to it. Because if I go down in battle, I don't want you saying a Hail Mary over me. I don't want you hoping for faith. I want you to be able to walk up to me and say, silver and gold have I none, but that which I have I give unto you. Rise up! Be healed, be delivered! We want something that's Not just a meeting revival. 
Not just where we get in such a good time. We dance around and we shout and we run the aisles and we speak in tongues and we do all that and it's all in the building. It starts with the music and then it gets out on the people and we have a great time and we walk out blessed. But not possessed. We've experienced it. So we know it's real. But I want that reality to transfer. So we understand that it's got to work. It, it's, it's got to work. It can only work if the material. He said, so we know the material that God gave us to build it with. That's all we have. And I think before I know this is strong and it's on tape, hundreds of people around the world will hear it. But before we can ever have a building of the church of God, we all have to restore back all those things that these insects have eaten out of it. We'll have to restore back all the things the course writer stole from us. That turned us into a religious, covering, organized, man-made, whatever it is. We've got to get back. He says, we'll have to go back and find out what these insects eat. And before this vine of the Lord, the grapevine... He is the vine, we are the branches. And before we can ever find out or the church can ever stand in its formal and original power, it'll have to go back and find out what these insects eat. And the church will have to be restored back to that or it will never stand in its power and glory of its first standing. So we know this law, right? If God ever does anything one way, he always does it the same way. So when he established his church and he put it on the foundation of his word, that's why, what's he trying to do? He's trying to restore back into us the faith of our fathers. Not a new faith. Because if he would have given them a different faith in the beginning, he couldn't have a different faith for us now. Now, I know a lot of people are taking that to an experience. But it goes far deeper than that. Just what, what, so, what's so fundamentally right. It's got to be, he says now, and the scripture, God's holy Bible is the lifeline to any church. Right? That's, that's the life is the word. Right? We know that. How could we ever bring up grape sap through a sycamore bark? Can't do it. It can't travel because it's governed by the law of its kind. So the true life can't travel through a different bark. It can be so close it could deceive the very elect. Satan can appear as an angel of light. 
but I'm not interested in all the false routes. I want to find what is the true anchor and foundation of the church. What was it that this first church was really built on? And he goes on and he says this. He says, we've got to to have grape bark. We've got to have the original bark. So you understand he's using it as a type that these bugs ate the bark off the tree, right? And no, the life wasn't getting into it. And if the life's not getting into it, it's not bearing the right fruit. It's bearing some sort of perverted lookalike. He says, he says, it's got to be original bark. And there's only one way that bark can ever come back on the vine is when God grows it himself. That's the law of it. And then he makes this statement because I think he's trying to get a message to us. We read these books different than anybody else does. We read them line by line, verse by verse, word by word. We don't read a book and get the general idea of the book and we know that sermon. No, we sit back there and we feast on it. We go back and see Jesus Christ in every verse or we go back and read it again. We understand, what is this talking about for me today? It's spiritual food in due season. He brought this out for me today because I'm needful of this. When he says, listen close, we ought to stop and wait a minute. How does it apply? How does it fit? Get rid of this idea. It's Catholic. I believe the message I'm going Or I know everything he said. I was a Catholic. I love confession. I didn't look at confession of getting rid of my sins. I looked at confession as freedom to go do it again. (laughs) Father, forgive me for I have sinned. These are my sins. I did this and I did that and I did this. And finally one day that priest looked out across that. He said, I always thought it was in secret, you know. And he says, McGeary, you couldn't do all those things in a week. <laughs> but I believed if he absolved me of my sins, right, that was gone. And I always knew that I could be back a saint next Saturday. That's sort of like what we do. You know, we go out all week, but we know we come back to church on Sunday and feel the presence of the Lord. And as long as we can feel him, we're okay. He hasn't left yet. I have a guy back home, calls me all the time. and says, how are you doing? He says, I just want to make sure you're still here. I say, thank you. I want you to go with me when I leave. You know, you just want to know, do, do I still have time? The Lord says, thou fool, 
Thy soul might be required of you this night. Follow with me just a few more minutes. You don't have service tonight. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. I'm going to give you something really to be thankful for. That this service finally came to an end. (laughs) So he's got to grow it back himself. We can't make something and put on it. It won't work. No man-made system will ever work. It'll take God's way or it'll never live. Man-made schemes won't work. You might wrap a rag around the tree and say, let it grow. The rag wasn't God's program. It's got to be the bark lifeline. And when it comes from the root, it'll produce the same life that the tree had before the insects eat it. Now, that's the law of God. It says it takes the power of Almighty God to grow that tree back to its condition again. So it, it, it's got to go back to its original condition. Now, we all know that our prophet sent us a messenger. But the message was to bring us back to that original condition. Because God couldn't change the condition of the church. And then Satan comes along, and they have this this great big uh, outpouring. And and, and we've seen the, the different things. But the church was built on a foundation. And the church has got to get back to the original foundation that it was built on. And, and you know, and so like Pentecost, we try to duplicate the experience. But we never... Duplicate what caused the experience. Duplicating the experience wasn't what it was. And if we try to get the church back to duplicating the experience, try to get them back to speaking in tongues, back to doing this, back to doing that, back to doing that. Everything, let's get the church back. Wow, that was such a great movement. It seemed like they had the power of God. But it couldn't meet the challenge of the age. They couldn't even keep from denominating. They had no ability to withstand the angel of light. Devours their children. Breaks their church out. The life leaves it. And we try to go back to try to restore a day gone by. And the messenger comes, he says, it'll never work. You've got to go back to the original foundation. Which was back to the word. 
And we understood that. That was what the messenger did. He'd come and he opened up the mysteries. He did all these great things because he was trying to bring us back to the original. Back to the faith that they had. What they were anchored in. What was it that they were really anchored in? What was their faith? Oh, I know we say revelation, but I'll tell you, most of us can't tell the difference, and neither can I, between intellectual stimulation and revelation. They're so close. Because you can intellectually come to the understanding of something that's truth. Satan believes. And he fears and trembles. I want us to know there's something greater. And they've tried to do that. They tried to duplicate the experience and then let you feel that if you've had the experience, you must have the faith. It does not work. You can't build it and restore it back unless you use the materials that God gave to build it with, unless that it works according to the plan that's in it. It won't work. It's a false revival. It's a revival within a building. It's got to be created again, over and over again, every service, every camp meeting. It's an invite. Come here. The Spirit's moving here. Come here. He's moving here. We've got it going on down here. All that is, Loey is here and Loey is there. It's the same old thing. But we've so disconnected from the word of God. We're so disconnected from fasting and praying. We couldn't recognize Satan if he was standing with a pitchfork. I'm sorry. I'm jealous over the church of the living God. My heart's on fire for. Because I need to leave. If I don't leave, no flesh will be saved. I will not be able to stand mentally or physically the onslaught of the wickedness of the wicked one. Or maybe you didn't think you were at war. You're at war for the rapture. So we felt if we duplicate the experience. But it's never been about duplicating experience. It's about knowing the cause of the experience. Why did they shout? Why did they jump? Why did they come out of the upper room? What happened to them? 
Not as a group. Individually. What, what happened? You know, you look at Luther, right? I remember he got, he just got the understanding of justification. That was Holy Ghost to him. I don't have to confess my sins. I can actually get where I don't love sin. I never did it in the first place. The blood of Jesus Christ. You don't think Luther was happy? He was happy. He's so happy he went out and got a wife. That's how happy he was. He was so glad to be out of that. He rejoiced. And we would have rejoiced if we were there. Wesley, you don't think he rejoiced? It's what caused Wesley to have the experience he had. We know they called him shouting Methodist. You know, we, we know they rejoiced. They're the original holy rollers. But they went after the result instead of the cause, and that's what caused them to denominate. That's what caused them to die. That's why the life went out of every single one of those things. Because they went to the experience of their day, and they never got to the core root of the cause. I'm working towards my close. It's got to be the original foundation. It's got to be back what caused it in the beginning. We've got to know what it was and what was robbed from us. And what it was that made that first church what it was. We are told that if we can't go back and find out what's been chipped away at us. And we sit here as a body of believers and we love one another. I trust you love one another. You know, I just remember your journal's going to be read. So don't write in there, oh, sister such and such did this, and such and such does that. You know what I mean? Some guy asked me one time, do you really want to know what I think about you? I said, no. (laughs) Not really. I wasn't sure how I'd respond. In order to establish the church back, we know we're not in the power we should be. And sometimes it's something so simple. It's a key to a door. In fact, it's almost so simple that I sit and think, um, look at this great knowledge that's in this building. People that may have sat in the meetings, people that have followed this for years. Could something so simple, well, if anything else, maybe we could just reunite on this one little nugget that could be, could be so beautiful, beautiful to us. What was it 
that that church was built on. What really happened that day that they were sitting in that upper room? We say, well, mighty rushing wind came down and pillars of fire. That's true. But there was something greater there. There was something that they recognized because they had a promise. I will not leave you comfortless, but I, personal pronoun, will come again. And I will be with you. And I will be in you. And there there was another reality that caused them to leave every fear, to leave every bit of being ashamed. There was something, a reality that took place that allowed them to walk out those doors. And it wasn't the fact that they appeared to be drunk. It's not saying, oh Lord, I want to stagger in the spirit the way they did. I want to speak in tongues the way that they spoke in tongues. I want to prophesy the way they prophesied. Something caused that. There was something so real that that church was built on. It was, it, was, it was something that was so evident to them. Now listen here just as I close. Now one of the first things that I'd like to speak to you for these few minutes after we have found out that the foundation must be original. It must go back to the foundation. It must go back to where it was a vine. If something is wrong with it and the vine is not operating right, let's go back and find out what's wrong. Now, I think in the statue of the perfect man, we know how it's built. We know what the foundation of the church is. He says, now, one of the first things that I'd like to mention is that something has gone from our church. And one of the main things is faith. We don't have faith? Come on. Our faith is what we believe. This faith isn't what you believe. This is my faith. He didn't say the faith. He said the faith. There is a faith that the church has let slip away Because that's what these four horse riders were after. 
He ate this one little element of faith, the key to our faith. Not the key to our doctrine. Our faith isn't our doctrine. That's not what causes us to move. Our faith isn't the list of the promises. Because we know you can't put a promise here and say this is promised. Now I'm going to go produce that. Because a sheep bears wool. It doesn't produce wool. It sits back and we can't say, well, we're lacking these things in the church. Let's go establish them. Let's work the people up to them. It's like deliverance ministries. The first thing they do is they convince you you're a sinner. They convince you that you're lacking. They convince you that you're in need. And you settle that in your heart. I'm in need. I, I, I need more of God in everything. And then they invite you to think that if you come to the altar and cry out or you get in the prayer line and get knocked down, that you're going to have it. And it recycles and recycles and recycles and recycles and recycles. And we get in a land of weary and we don't know what to do. So we just think we'll go drink of that fountain. God gave us a fountain to drink from. He gave us a storehouse to eat from. He gave us a voice in this day. Not only to the individual but to the church. Those tapes just aren't for your car. They're for the assembly. They're for the church. They're for all of us to listen to together. They're for us to listen to individually. It's the word that corrects the air. Can you believe churches in this message hardly ever have communion anymore? Because communion's a judgment seat. Oh, we've got too many people for communion. Well, they they baptized 3,000. We're so content with our condition. You know, every revival lasts a few years and then they live on the reputation of the man that started it in the beginning. That's the word from the prophet. If you've gone months after months with having communion, you need to go in this man's office and ask him, why don't we wash feet and have communion? It's an ordinance of God. You say, well, how long are we supposed to do it? He didn't say how many times. What's the desire of your heart? My heart burns to wash the feet of the saints. My heart burns to bring into remembrance. To do these things in remembrance of him. For his namesake. For his reputation. To judge myself. To make sure it lives in me. I want to sit with you. And hear the voice of God to this age. I am the voice of God to you. 
I know you resent that. But let me say it again. I am the voice of God to you. You know it's the absolute that makes us all equals. I hear so much of it today. I'm an elder. I'm an elder. I'm an elder. He never said you build your faith on an elder. I'm going to accept what he said because he's been around a long time. Well, if that's the truth, I'm going to Rome. That guy's been there forever. He's just a liar. We wonder what's wrong. We can't see it far off. We forgot where we were. We forgot what brought us here. Forgot what we're all assembled here. Why are we all assembled here? Different people, different places, different things. It's because we all heard a voice. Not our own thing. Because he could only be restored by the law of God and God had to do it himself. I'm going to hate myself when I'm done. The thing that's lacking is faith. Jude saw it. Jude finally got so inspired, he reached out and says, we must contend for the faith that was once delivered. Not the experience, not the result, the very cause of it himself. What made those men what they were? Why did they have the power of the resurrection? Why, and I'd like to sum it up real close right now. And read you something that was so simple. That we think that we should have some big conclusion. But yet God hid himself in such simplicity. That it goes over the hearts of the wise and the prudent. And it's revealed to babes. Such as we learn. And I hope you understand this morning that I'm a part of you. You've got a piece of me in you, and I've got a piece of you in me. And I'm not making it without you. We are fitted and joined together. We are his bride, we are members of his body. We've had a uniting time and sign. We can't shirk our responsibility. We got to fight. The attack is on. Contend for the faith. Fight for the faith. Fight for the eye salve that you might see. The gold tried in fire. The white linen that our nakedness does not appear. When he came to sum it up, he said, the problem with the church is faith. 
Because faith has got anchored in the wrong thing. And when the storm really comes, the anchor doesn't hold. But this is what those first people were built on. And may I read it to you in its simplicity. And may you forgive me for being such a simpleton. And the faith of the saints was not in creeds. Now let's substitute. We don't have creeds. We have doctrines. We have beliefs. We have revelations. But yet their faith wasn't anchored in that. It was anchored in something a little little different. Not in creeds. Not in denominations. We're not denominated. But let's put a word for our own word. Not in assemblies. Not in teachings. Not in assemblies. Let's make it real for us. Make it personal. Not in creeds. Not in denominations. Not in church buildings. Not in associations. But their faith was built in one thing. But it was in the presence of of the living God. Think of it. Their faith was in his presence. What happened in that upper room? It wasn't a third person. It wasn't a rising wind. It wasn't an anointing. He showed up. And they knew it was him. Because he said, I will come again. I will not leave your comfortless. I, personal pronoun, their faith was built that he was there. That's what their faith was built in. They were gathered there, but then he came back. He was there. He was there. He says, he says, in the presence of the living God, they had faith to heal the sick, cast out devils, do miracles, and all the great promises that Jesus made, that first church held onto that. It was the lifeline. That was their lifeline. It was not the knowledge of him. Not that he was a great God. Not that he could do all things. Not that all his teachings were true. It was based on the fact he was here. He was there. More than just the anointing and the teaching. And the omnipresence. I'm not talking about all the time. I'm talking about him. Personally. Promising to show up. 
Not a general blanket. Not a generalness all over the church. Let me read a little more in closing. Listen here. Listen close to what I want to tell you. The ever presence of the living God is the lifeline to any church or any bunch of people. The ever presence of the living God to perform and to do and to act and to live with the people as he did at the beginning. If the presence of the living God brought a Pentecost with power, that's what brought it. That was the cause. If he brought with power, with signs and with wonders, brought a people so full of glory till they shouted and spoke in other languages and went on to be mortars for the faith Let's earnestly contend for that faith until death has set us free. Now really, what was it? Think of it this morning. Faith, our faith this morning, if we're sick, no matter what our problem is, our faith isn't in the promise alone. Our faith is that he's here. I remember in the film when Brother Bram's talking and talking and all of a sudden he he throws his head back and he says he's here. Now I was listening to him preach. He was there. But then he said, he's here. And he looks out and he says, I take every spirit in this building under my control in the name of Jesus Christ. I thought, oh my. I used to think I always wanted to be in one of those services. And then all of a sudden I thought, I wonder really how pure I am, really how clean I am. And I thought a little moment, what what is he there for? Not there to condemn us. He's there to perform his promises. The scripture says, I'll be with you, even in you till the end. He's in us to change our nature to change our character, to lead us and guide us in all truth and righteousness. But not only did he say he'd be with us and present with us, he said, I personally, wherever two or three gather in my name, I will be there. And I want, want, if I could just do it, I want you to take it from the idea that it's like a floating spirit, like it's a cloud, Like it's an anointing. No, it's him. The invisible him standing in his word. He himself is here. (laughs) 
If we can look past every veil of flesh, all the circumstances around us, he said he would be here. If he said he's here, he's here. That's what those saints put their faith in. They put their faith in the fact that he himself was there. It was in his presence. That's where their faith anchored. We can't substitute that for an anointing. We can't substitute that for faith. We've got to realize that he himself is here. That was their faith. That's what went wrong with the church. That's what those horse riders robbed us of. It's the realization that the very person himself, the one that's in you, promised that he himself would return and he would stand in your presence willing to perform and do exceedingly and above what you could even ask or think. Just think of it. But yet man always has a tendency and it's to run from the presence of the Lord. He's standing here. You say, I don't see him. I do. You see him, Brother McGarry? I see him standing in his word. My faith is in that presence. My trust is in what he said. He said he would be there. If he said he would be there, if he promised he would be there, I become part partakers of divine nature through this great and precious promise. That's what we read. What do we come to church for? We got to filter everything else out until we can actually say, I've come here this morning because I believe that Jesus Christ himself, though not visible to my eye, but yet he's standing here. And he can do exceedingly and abundantly above what I can ask or think. And with that in our hearts, knowing that he said he would be here, knowing that we're needy, our nature is to run. It's our nature. It's, 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 it's just the way we are. He talked about Jonah. He said, and here we find an example of us all. Every one of us, we're always running from something. We run from trouble. We run from responsibility. We're all prone to do that. We all, we're all more prone to run than we are to stand and face it out, see? We find ourselves running. How many times in service we're talking about getting the church back to where it is. You're going to come to this church needy. 
Because you got an adversary that's trying to destroy you. And how many times do we walk in the door and we, can we look past these vessels of flesh that are standing here and say, he's here. He is here. Not the blessing, not the anointing. No, he is physically here. Though veiled from our eyes, he's here. His person is here. His nature is here. His self is here. That's what those disciples built their faith in. They built their faith in that presence. He was there. And every place they went, they saw that it was him. He was there. It became so real to him. And when we come this morning and, and we sit back and we think it, it, the, it, was, it, it was, you have two ways to run. You can run from it. Go fix it yourself. You can run from it because you're afraid it'll expose. He won't expose you. We can hide. But every service, if he's really there, and I'm talking about that's what the church was built on. When they came together, they looked because they knew he was there to do exceedingly and abundantly above what they could ask or think. That's what's been robbed from us. That individual part of us that can honestly say in our heart, I know Jesus is here. And I know he's here to perform his word. Now I can either run from him or I can run to him. I think of Mary Magdalene, I believe it was. I believe it was the, her, that it was her that was caught in adultery. And there she laid there and everybody had stones and they were fixing to stone her. And, and, and she's there and all of a sudden they, the, Jesus confronts them all and we don't know what he wrote. But they threw their rocks down and they left. You know, she could have got up and ran. She could have ran the other way. But she stayed there to confront the man that just saved her life. He knew why she was there. She knew what she deserved. Jesus knew by the law. But she just decided to stay. She decided to run to him instead of away from him. And he asked her a simple question, who's here to condemn you? Where are your accusers? I love her answer. It was I never didn't do it in the first place. They were all liars, Brother Murphy. I've been falsely accused. No. She was in his presence. 
She felt that presence. She knew that reality. She knew she was looking at God. And he said some of the most beautiful words. He said, go and sin no more. Neither will I condemn you. If you got something wrong, you can run to him this morning or you can run away. You've got two ways to run. You can come and say, Lord, I'm worthy to be stoned. And he'll take you in his arms. He says, I'm here. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I have not come to condemn the world. I've come to save the world from sin. I think my heart so many times of the woman that washed Jesus' feet. There he was. Standing there just like he's here this morning. And she said in her heart, you know, if I go down there, he will know what I do. He will know where I got this money and how I bought this oil. He'll know. I'll be totally exposed. But she knew to hide it was death. She could have ran. The challenge was great. But the need was greater. She knew he was the only one that could help her. Religious wouldn't help her. Nothing else could help her. Turning a new leaf wouldn't help her. There was one person that could help her. And he was there. And she chose to run to him instead of away from him. And you say, Brother McGarry, what are you driving at? I think the church isn't what it is. Because we've got too much pride to run to him. We've got too much pride to say, I'm needy. Only he can do it. I can't live this secret life of sin anymore. I can't harbor these feelings anymore. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. Now you can run and fix it yourself. But that's not what God built his church on. It's not the material that he gave the church to build on. He built the church on his presence to perform himself what the church needed. And that's where we stand. No substitutes. 
no blessings. You and him getting it fixed. Him fixing it for you. Maybe if I was a prophet, I could look out and see this and see that, but I can't. And I wouldn't want to. But I know this morning, and I'll tell you with all my heart, he is here. If you want him. Which way are you going to run? Are you going to run into his presence? If we prayed for you this morning and you came up, you know you wouldn't even have to tell me or tell anybody what you were here for? He already knows. You would have to believe that he's here and he's going to do it. And then when you walked away, you'd never worry about it again. I gave it to him. I went, he was there, and I ran to him, and I told him my heart's desire, and I poured my heart out to him, and he told me if I cast my cares upon him, he said he'd carry my load and take my burdens. He said he wouldn't leave me nor forsake me, but he'd be there when I needed him. This is so far beyond religion, church. That's the thing prophet of God kept trying to tell the church, he's here. He's here. Don't you see him? Because he veiled himself in him that we could live. But why did he give it to the church? What? To restore back to us the faith in knowing that his presence is here. He's here. It's not a formula. It's not a program. It's not putting things together and stuff together. It's literally coming to him himself because he's here. And oh, if you could see this morning, if I could visualize it to you some far, I just don't have it. But he's standing right here with his arms open. Say, run into my presence because it was that presence that made that church what it was. It was nothing else. That church was built on the presence of the living God. I don't know if you sing this song, maybe if the musicians would come. Would you ever get to the place that there's only one person that can help you? Only one person that can help you. And that's him. She walked down there. Oh, they were glaring at her. Prostitute, yeah. I was a prostitute. Where'd you get that money? I know I got it. Eva. But when she got to him... He said, daughter, your sins, which are many, are all forgiven. 
You might be sick this morning. It's okay to be sick. We all get sick. But if you know he's here, you can run to him or you can run away from him. I don't know if the... You, you know that song, Stay or I Want More? Maybe you don't. Do you know that song? You might have wrote it. I don't know. You know, it just... Uh, I speak Jesus. Sometimes that's all we've got to do. Is just stop. And run to him. He said he's here. Is there anything he can't do? Can anybody raise their hand and tell me something he can't do? He went to the darkest place that a man could be. And he found me. And I failed him many times. That's why it's hard for me to walk through the doors. But I noticed one thing he said. He said, I'll be with you. I'll be there. All I can do is tell you, I wish I had more elaborate words. I wish I was more educated. But off my heart, I'm trying to tell you, if you have something you have need of this morning, You can run two ways. You can run to them. Or you can run away from them. But I will testify that he's here to run to. Could you stand together? Would you help? continue to sing that song 
If you've got something this morning, run to him. He's here. Are you going to walk away? Are you you just going to walk out the same way? Another sermon, another church service, another preacher. That's why the church is dying. Because when he's standing in their midst, they don't come. There's two ways to run this morning. I don't care how your, little your problem is. It don't matter. You don't even have to tell me. It's, it's even above laying on of hands. It's you walking to him this morning and grabbing the hem of his garment. How many times did our prophet say, who did he touch? Who did he touch? It's not me. He said, it's him. Because he had the ability to let the people know he was there. And that's what the church forgot. They forgot his very word of promise. They didn't believe it when he said, I'll be there. I will not leave you nor forsake you. I will be there. Let's sing it again as we turn the service over. I just want to speak the name.
satisfaction until this word which is God comes alive in you then you see God himself fulfilling the promises that are made in the Bible but until you meet that person that satisfying portion that's something that takes every fiber in your body not by emotion but by a satisfaction God might be still dealing with a soul this morning. Because it's... I, I, I actually believe in emotion, saints. Because you can't take one without the other. Because once you meet him, you want to turn a city upside down. So this morning, the word has come to maybe some of your addresses that you haven't responded but God wants to meet you on a personal level and he's reaching down to your address and maybe that's why you're standing here at the front right now and maybe somebody else should be standing here and just say I need to meet the person when I came to church many years ago at Bible Way House it was not come I didn't come because I didn't even know what emotion was but I knew I had to meet Jesus. I had to meet him in a personal way. And that's why people just come to church sometimes and they do get caught up in the emotion of it. And they don't meet him as your savior, your deliverer, your healer. Then I believe that you can say this morning, that the word of God could come to my address in such a way that it's not Brother Tom or Brother Michael or Brother Murphy. It's not Brother David, but it's Jesus come to you in word form. And you could say, he's touched me. Sing that. 
He's touched me. heavy burden neath a load of guilt and shame then the hand of Jesus touched me and now I'm no longer the same if you're here and you have not met Jesus Christ you can look around this room to people who have been touched by the hand of almighty God not that they merited it but by God's grace he came to their address because God comes only to his seed. Shackled by a heavy burden need
if you're looking to a man, look to the man Christ Jesus this morning. Brother Sterling, you reach out in faith and believe right now that you'll have a most blessful sleep that you've never experienced before. You can just ask anything in my name, believing, and you shall have what you ask. God, take this out of my life. Or I need you more. I need a, a refilling of God. I need the Holy Ghost himself. He's a person. While we go to prayer, I want you to lift up your hands of faith. Reach out. Reach out and touch the Lord. Heavenly Father, it's wonderful when you can deal with the hearts of your children. That they can look to the Lamb of God that is able to take away the sins of our own personal lives. That we can say, I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've accepted the power of your resurrection. I've known you in it, Lord. It's not just a thought and it's not just a statement, but it's a living life and a living reality. Father, I pray for every soul that has stood to their feet, everyone that's come to the altar. I pray, God, everyone from the back of the church to the front this morning will sense the presence of Jesus Christ and the nearness of your spirit. You said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. For I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. That means I will be with you always. A mighty God, present to deliver, present to set free of our own thoughts and imaginations of what even we think, Lord. I pray for every hand uplifted and every heart, Lord, that's turned Christ this morning I pray Father God that you'll grant to them the very desires of their heart and their faith would have been sparked with the very thought of God that you said I ask and you shall receive Lord it's not our worked up faith it's by living and believing the word of the Lord Father bless your children Bless each soul, every mother, every father, every young person. And may you alone, Lord, be glorified and magnified in Jesus' name. Reach out and touch the Lord. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by.
second service out of Second Peter, chapter 1. And he took and said, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, according as his divine power hath given us all things that pertain to life and goodness through the knowledge of him that called us to the glory and virtue. And I thought that, that is amazing because it is not you doing the work. It's Christ doing the work in you. So we understand the church is built on faith. Do I hear an amen? amen. The church is built on faith. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance. You've heard me preach over the years, and we'll take the Word of God as the Word of God's been preached through a prophet. You cannot add to your stature. I'm five foot six. I've always wanted to be five foot nine or ten. Never got there. God made me what I am. I just have to let Him make me what He wants me to be. And so then add to your faith virtue. If you take a look at that word add, it add to your faith virtue. It's not that you can add anything. He's given everything in that seed in you to produce faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. But the, the qualification of that word add is epicurical. And that word means that God furnishes you with the ability in the seed in you to manifest what he's called you to be. So all its requirement is wonderful is that you lay in the presence of the sun. And if you lay in the presence of the sun, then that seed comes to manifestation and you bring forth the very capstone himself, Jesus Christ in this age. It's not you. It's God doing the work through you. All you have to do is make yourself available saying, Lord, I'm not going to run away from you. I've chosen the path to run to you. Put it all collectively together, Friday night and this morning. The message came to deal with your heart, to deal with you. Not getting caught up in a, a lot of froth. But let me say one thing, saints of God. The prophet, he does not shy away whatsoever with an invisible union thanksgiving message I looked at this morning he said I where are those he says the modern church doesn't want those acts 238 youngins they don't want a church that's got the very life of God in them and you just got to lay in the presence of the sun to let the manifestation of God work through you. It's not in your mental concept. It's in your laying your life down. Lord, live through me. Live through me. In this Thanksgiving weekend, you should be able to thank God that he did indeed come to you because you are a seed of God. It won't be your works. It will be your laying down, taking up your cross, and follow this Lord Jesus. Take up your cross.
Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Take up your cross every day. And don't be ashamed to say that you formalism of a modern church blow over your soul I want the fire of God Brother Bram said in the message the fervent desire to please God and passion to know his word crying for the reaching out in his spirit all begins to fade instead of that church being on fire being on fire with God if you got him you'll be on fire what we've got is the pillar of fire Amen. God bless you this Thanksgiving weekend. Greet one another. Turn around and say the best thing you can say. God bless you.